The reading this morning is from the first book of Corinthians, chapter 1, starting at verse 18. For the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know through wisdom, God decided through the foolishness of our proclamation to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks desire wisdom, but we proclaim Christ crucified a stumbling block to Jews, and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom, and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. Consider your own call, brothers and sisters. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were powerful. Not many were of noble birth, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, things that are not, to reduce to nothing things that are, so that no one might boast in the presence of God. He is the source of your life in Christ Jesus who became for us wisdom from God, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption, in order that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. When I came to you, brothers and sisters, I did not come proclaiming the mystery of God to you in lofty words of wisdom, for I decided to know nothing except you, among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified, And I came to you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. My speech and my proclamation were not with plausible words of wisdom, but with the demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your faith might rest not on human wisdom, but on the power of of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We might look at the world that we live in and say it doesn't change. <laughs> the, the same problems that were happening hundreds of years ago seem to be still happening. It feels like we're going around in circles. And so we may take a pessimistic view of the world. The, the, the problems that are there are, are going to be always there. And we may ask ourselves this question, is change possible? Uh, we, we may look at people, uh, people around us who, who haven't changed and, and say they're always going to be the same, they're never going to change, they're always going to do what they, they've always done and ask ourselves the, the, the question, is change possible? Well, I want to say if you're here this morning and you declare yourself to be a Christian, 
then you are a living testimony to the fact that something that is by natural wisdom unmovable, something has moved in you, a natural testimony that actually change is possible and change does happen. Uh, you see, the fact that we call ourselves a, a Christian is, is because God has brought about a change inside of each of us. The, the fact that we can turn to God is because a change has happened inside of us. Uh, in Romans, uh, Paul uh, starts off and he, he talks about the, how the revelation of God, the knowledge of God is uh, knowable uh, by uh, people and, and that we can look around and we can see and we can have an understanding that there is a God and uh, but yet people turn their backs on this. So Romans 3.10 says, as it is written, there's no one righteous, not even one. There's no one who understands. There's no one who seeks God. When you read that, you, you would rightly ask, is change possible? You look at the Old Testament. What's it, the story of God's people going round and round and round and round and round in circles? Uh, understanding what God wanted them to do and yet not being able to fulfill what was the, the calling of God on their lives. And, and so with Paul, you, you'd say that there's no one righteous. There's no one, not even one. There's no one who understands. There's no one who seeks God. Uh, in, the, in the middle of that, we, we might ask ourselves the question is, is our faith, so our faith in Jesus, I'm not sure whether you, you've grown up in a Christian home and you've come uh, up and always called yourself a Christian or, or at some point uh, you've made a decision to be a follower of Jesus yourself. Uh, in the middle of that, there's a question. Did, did we choose out of our own volition, our own wisdom, to follow God? Is that a choice, a natural choice that, that we made? Now, you, if you read Paul, <laughs> there's no one righteous, not even one. That included us. So, so if we are not righteous, there's no one who understands, there's no one that seeks God, there, there's a level at which we cannot seek God apart from him doing something in us. Is that kind of change possible? Can someone just change their mind and make a smart decision? We might be sitting here on Sunday and saying, well, we've made a good decision to follow Jesus, and I would agree with you, it's a good decision to follow Jesus, but did we make that just in and of ourselves? We're smart people. Smart people have decided to follow Jesus. And if only those other people were not so ignorant. Look at, we, we look at some of the response to the referendum result and people will say, well, anyone that voted no was ignorant and we just need to educate people in order to create wisdom. The problem in our political society, political group and political society where we have differing opinions is we all think that we're wiser than each other, right? We, we all think we know how to solve something, that our wisdom is the wisdom for this age and uh, people shout louder when they're, they're not heard. 
And in the middle of that, we, we find that we, as a country, go around in circles on different issues. And we ask ourselves the, the question, is change possible? Can we get to a point where the, the First Nations people of Australia feel honoured for who they are? Are restored, see communities change so that they're healthy and no longer disadvantaged in a way that is is very clear. Can we? Is change possible? Well, I want to say, if you are here and you call yourself a Christian, you are a living letter from God that change is possible. What what has happened for us as Christians is we are. Uh, given new birth in Christ. No, no one can come to faith in God apart from being born anew by the Spirit of God. If you've put your faith in Jesus, it's because God has done a work inside of you. So when I look at a, a world that doesn't know Jesus, I'm looking at a world that needs miracles everywhere. Uh, so what's a miracle? An event that defies our understanding of how the natural order of the world works where God has directly intervened. If we want to see the world change, what that requires is people to change. And if people are driven by a heart that hasn't changed, people aren't going to change. Fundamentally, people are going to remain the same. But what happens when we become a Christian? We get a a new heart. God's Spirit comes to live in us. There's the miracle of new birth, the miracle that we are made righteous, made right before God in relationship with Him, are empowered by grace. We're sanctified in Jesus. What is that? We're made holy. That, that's a whole, whole heap of change. We are redeemed. If you knew me 25 years ago, before I would have said that I was an active follower of Jesus, that was a different me to the me that's standing here today. Uh, some people would like to say, oh, well, you've just grown up. No, no, some, something's grown inside of me. That Actually, the working of sanctification and redemption and, and righteousness inside of my heart. Any, anyone who's a Christian has access to the, the same miracle of change. It says of us as Christians, 1 Thessalonians, for we know, brothers and sisters, beloved by God, that he has chosen you because our message of the gospel came to you not in word only, but also in power and the Holy Spirit and with full conviction what kind of uh, persons uh, we proved to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord. For in spite of persecution, you received the word with joy, inspired by the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. So that the believers were coming to faith in spite of every reason for them not to make a decision to follow Jesus. So change was happening in the face of what would, you would call insurmountable opposition. They were coming to faith and then they were living as an example. For the, the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but in every place. Your faith in God has become known so that we have no need to speak about it. For the people of those regions report about us 
what kind of welcome we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve a living and a true God and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who rescues us from the wrath that is coming. So for people, uh, Thessalonian people who'd never heard about Jesus, they, they turned from idols so that they changed their whole way of living in order to turn to the living God. The challenge a, a little bit if you've grown up in a Christian home uh, or if you've come to faith early in life, is that you may not see that change or that the change that we may have seen uh, um, is gradual among people. Uh, and when we see gradual change, we, we don't always necessarily recognize as a change. But I can guarantee you, if you're a follower of Jesus, there is change happening. Uh, if you've got your Bible uh, in front of you, you should all have a Bible, uh, where in 1 Corinthians, I'd love you to open up uh, to page 926. Uh, that's, uh, so page 926, we're looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul's uh, talking about the message of the cross, and he said it's a fulfillment of Scripture that the God is going to destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning. He will thwart. So, so that's uh, page 926. We're in 1 Corinthians uh, 1, 19. What is the wisdom of the wise? The wisdom of the wise is that they think that through study and learning and understanding, uh, they can figure it all out. Uh, the world imagines that it can discover God's wisdom and yet doesn't know God. In the, the, the wisdom of the wise, uh, the, the wisest person would like to think, the philosophers of age, that they've thought about things enough that... Because of their thinking about things, they can come to the best conclusion as to what is right to do. The wisdom of the wise, would you say, is the way that most uh, of our politicians, most leaders in our country work. They work according to what they believe to be wise in their own understanding. But what does God say? I have, I've come... I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Because the way of Christ is the way of humility. Uh, it continues on, where is, where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? The, the people that would call themselves the smartest, that could shoot down the arguments of others. Uh, has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? When, when you look at the results of the referendum uh, around cities uh, it was 60 percent said yes and 40 percent no around the center of cities uh, around the outside it, it flipped the other way and some people would look at it and the interpretation that I've I've heard people say which is really unhelpful is all the people that voted no were ignorant and the people on the outside the cities are just more ignorant than the people on the inside of cities. That is exactly this. That is people saying the wisdom of the wise is better 
than the foolish people that have voted differently. Now, I'm not saying one thing or the other. That's the conversation that is happening in our public sphere. That's the conversation that often happens around faith. Uh, these Christians, they're, they're ignorant. If only they had the kind of wisdom that I had, then they wouldn't need this crutch to lean on. But God calls us to come to him in humility. Uh, while faith is thought out, we can't think our way into knowing God. It is a miracle. Uh, we know a God who is not seen and believe in him. That you have faith in God is because God has worked a miracle inside of you. So when we think of people that don't know God, they need a miracle inside of them. When we think of a, a, a country that is led by people that aren't led by the wisdom of God, they need a miracle inside of them that they would not trust their own wisdom, but they would look to the wise ways of God. Someone who's not a Christian can still see the wisdom of God and be led by it. We as Christians have free access to it in Christ. Uh, so how, how do we get to know God? Uh, if you look a little bit further down, verse 21, for since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. There's no way to know God through just figuring it out, through just reading enough that you might discover. For since the world uh, did not know God through wisdom, God decided through the foolishness of our proclamation, that is declaring that the word being proclaimed to save those who believe. So that through the word of God being shared, uh, whether it's in a sermon, whether it's in a conversation, whether it's the word being read for oneself, through the word uh, being proclaimed, declared to people uh, that people will come to be saved and believe. Uh, he continues, he says, Jews wanted signs. He did signs. Uh, Jesus did signs. Uh, all the disciples did signs. But we proclaim what? Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews, foolishness to the Gentiles. Uh, the, the, the Jews wanted a, a king who would ride in and, and, and take over the world. The, the, the Gentiles thought, well, we're, we're wise and we know the way. Uh, we have the understanding but the cross of christ is a path of humility as we say i'm i don't measure up i'm not strong enough i'm not smart enough i need you god so god's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom and god's weakness is stronger than human strength that even what appears foolish to the world is wiser than the wisest person in the world, that what appears weak to the world is stronger than what appears strong in the world. Why, do you, why don't you think uh, God made the gospel available to the most educated to discover through their wisdom? The answer is in the, in the next... A uh, few verses, uh, we, we see uh, in verse 31, 
in order that it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord, because uh, he is the source of life. If I, through my wisdom, <laughs> could God and the good news of a new kingdom and a new king, then who would I boast in? <laughs> me. I, I would trust in me and boast in me. The problem with the Old Testament is everyone has been trusting in themselves. The problem of our world is the same. Everyone trusting in themselves and their own understanding uh, or trusting in people, uh, which is the way a lot of our work, world works, trusting in people who are trusting in their own wisdom and their own understanding. <laughs> Isn't that a foolish decision to trust in someone who trusts in themselves? But... The gospel is not made available to the most educated to discover through wisdom because that is not the way of God. The, the good news of Jesus is founded in humility. And so we're going to quickly look through this passage and what it says uh, about humility to us. So I'll put up on screen a few different spots. We'll stop. So verse 26, consider yourselves, brothers and sisters, uh, not many of you were wise by human standards. I, I think you're all pretty smart. <laughs> like, I, I honestly do. Uh, you, you all have been educated in different ways. I, I think we have a pretty smart group of people, but there's always going to be people smarter than us. Uh, there, there's always going to be people who are philosophically more brilliant than us. Uh, so Paul is saying, consider yourself. Uh, that's the starting point of humility. Not many of you are wise. Not many of you are powerful. Not many of you were of noble birth. I'm not sure there's anyone here with a noble title. Uh, I don't think we have anyone. Uh, so Paul is saying, see yourself accurately. Be humble. Verse 27, God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. What do we see in that? God chose. Verse 28, God chose what is low and despised in the world, things that are not, to reduce to nothing things that are. So as in there was a reversal of the way the world works. Uh, the, the world we live in needs to experience a reversal in order to come to faith in God because it requires humility, not pride. Uh, so God chose uh, so that uh, no one might boast, so that no one might boast in the presence of God. So we come in to God's presence with humility, recognizing that he's made a way for us, not we've discovered a way ourselves. Uh, then uh, we see uh, that he's the source. He's the source of life. If you are to experience, if we are to experience any change, it's because he's the source of life living in us. His life living in us brings righteousness, sanctification and re redemption that's not an optional extra. That's a natural outcome of him being inside of us, a miracle that has already happened. In order that it is written, let the one who boasts boast in what God has done. Uh, what, does change, what is required in us uh, in order for change to come? Uh, I, I want you to think of uh, like a, a hose tap. Uh, you, can, you can turn the hose tap and let a little bit of water out or you can turn it and you can let a whole lot of water out. 
Uh, as Christians, at one level, we can cooperate with the work of the Spirit and let Him flow like water at full speed, or we can try and resist and we can just try and hold back the water. But if you turn the hose on and you leave the end on, what tends to happen? It drips. So change is going to happen, whether you like it or not. And the, the point of dripping, do you know what it feels like as, as a Christian? It feels like tension. Uh, so, so if you're resisting change that God wants to do in you, it's, it's more difficult than actually just you know, letting it flow. <laughs> and, and so how do we see change happen? It's that, that same pathway we came into faith by humility. Uh, we see change happen through humility. So looking quickly through chapter 2, uh, verse 1. Uh, when I came to you, brothers and sisters, I did not come proclaiming the mystery of God to you in lofty words or wisdom. So the path of humility is giving up lofty words and worldly wisdom uh, in order to trust in the word of God, in order to be led by the word made flesh, Jesus uh, we're to give up old knowledge. Paul said, I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ. Now, in that day, not many people had the privilege of studying scriptures, uh, the Old Testament scriptures, and being trained in the way he was trained. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was it in terms of knowledge. All of that, he said, it's old knowledge. I've given it up because I've chosen to know Christ and Christ crucified as the wisdom of God for us. What does that mean? It means uh, when we think we know what is best. Who thinks they know what is best? Yeah, come on. Like Anyone here at some level, we think we know what is best. It means we need to give that up. We need to trust that actually God knows what's best. And that means... All of us, unfortunately, are going to make bad decisions because we think we know what's best. But if we trust in God, he'll lead us on that path of true wisdom. So give up our old knowledge. Verse 3, he says, I came to you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. Do you know what that looks like? It looks like you having a task in front of you and you go, I'm not sure. I don't think I could do this. I couldn't possibly achieve this result. Like someone that feels incompetent in the face of it. Paul knew heaps of stuff. He'd seen heaps of things happen in Jesus, and yet he was someone that will come trembling with humility because he realized what was before him required God to work. And he couldn't orchestrate that, right? So when I want to see change in someone else, when I want to see Jesus' church grow, when I want to see the world change, fear and trembling is that place of humility. I'm not sure, God, if it's going to work. I'm not sure, God, if you're going to work again. God, I know you worked before, but with humility I come before you and I say I need you. Again, one of the regular prayers I will pray before I preach is, God, I need you to speak to people because I, in my own wisdom and strength, don't have what they need, but you do. When we see things that we think we can do or solve, uh, then maybe we've missed the point. And the way to change is that way of 
stopping trusting in our own strength. Uh, verse 4, My speech and my proclamation were not with plausible words of wisdom, but with a demonstration of power. Uh, we talked about miracles last week. Uh, they would proclaim the word, they would heal the sick. Proclaim the word, heal the sick. When you ever pray for someone who's sick, uh, fear and trembling is something that you might experience as you're unsure whether God is going to work this time. You're unsure, and it requires you to put trust and faith in him to bear witness to his word. Uh, when we talk about Jesus, it requires trust in him that someone won't call us foolish, that they might come to believe, but it's likely they might call us foolish. And so we're willing in humility to trust God to work in power. So while he would have brought lots of words to people, it wasn't just words of wisdom in order to convince people. It was trusting that God's Spirit would speak through the words, uh, that he'd have the knowledge to speak, but he also then prayed for God to work in the way that he'd seen Jesus uh, live out the Word as the Word made flesh uh, through his ministry on earth. Uh, finally, uh, verse 5. Uh, so that your faith might rest not on human wisdom, but on the power of God. Ten things to make your church grow. Five things to make your life better. We love those lists. I love those lists. Uh, ten ways to learn to worship God more intimately. We, we love a, a formula. But unfortunately for us as Christians... Uh, the, the only formula that God has given us is a path of humility before him, to trust in him. And then from that place of trusting in him, in obedience, living out his call to love and reach, teach and disciple, go and proclaim. Putting confidence in the power of God to work what we can't solve in human wisdom. So I want to ask you that question again. Is change possible? If you're here and you believe in Jesus, I would say you are a living testimony that change is possible. And if you're like me, sometimes you might look at yourself and say, I haven't really changed much. But if you were to look at yourself over years you would see magnificent, beautiful change as God has worked inside of you as you have humbled yourself before him. Let me encourage you as you look at this year, the years to come, don't tighten the hose up and only let out a drip of water, but kneel before him, lie before him, bring yourself before him in humility and say, God, whatever you want to do, I want you to do in me. Is change possible? We need God to work miracles in us and around us. And the pathway is humility. Now let's pray. God, we're desperately in need of you to work what we cannot work by ourselves. Uh, you cha change and transform us in ways that are 
unachievable in and of ourselves. Uh, Lord, we come to you as people that are broken by the world that we live in, uh, seeking redemption and healing and hope. Uh, Lord, if we've come and we've wondered whether change was possible, uh, we bring ourselves before you in humility and say, God, do what only you can do. Forgive us, Lord, for trusting in our own strength and our own wisdom. Lead us on a path of humility and partnership with you. Help us, Lord, as we walk out steps of humility and trust, uh, experiencing a, a nervousness as to whether you are going to do what you say you will do. Help us to grow in faith that is confidence uh, that as you have done, you will do. As you have started, you will complete and will finish in us. Uh, Lord, as you work inside of us powerfully what we cannot do ourselves, we, we pray Lord, change our world, change our country, change our politicians, change the face of, of leadership in our country that uh, humility would not just be talked about but lived. Uh, Lord, as we, we think of the referendum and, and the challenge uh, our nation continues to face around uh, issues, uh, we, we pray, uh, Lord God, bring us together as one reconciled with you and reconciled with each other. You made us in your likeness. You gave us your son, Jesus Christ. He has given us forgiveness from sin. Lord God, bring us together as one, different in culture, but given you life in Jesus Christ, together as your body, your church, your people. Lord, bring us together as one, reconciled, healed, forgiven, sharing you with others as you have called us to. Lord, as we uh, think of the situation uh, with Israel and uh, Gaza and the Palestinian people and Hamas, uh, we echo the, the prayer of the Archbishop of Jerusalem, a God of all justice and peace. We cry out to you in the midst of the pain and the trauma of violence and fear which prevails in the Holy Land. Be with those who need you in these days of suffering. We pray for people of all faiths, Jews, Muslims and Christians, and for all people of the land. While we pray to you, O Lord, for an end to violence and the establishment of peace, we also call for you to bring justice and equity to, to the peoples. Guide us into your kingdom where all people are treated with dignity and honor as your children. For to all of us, you are a heavenly Father. And we pray this in the name of Jesus who taught us to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from a time of trial and deliver us from evil. 
For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen.